0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Thursday, June 24th, we're studying Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 9 to 40. Jeremiah condemns the lying prophets who falsely claim to speak for the Lord. Their wicked lies only lead the people of Judah and Jerusalem further into their evil idolatry help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Andy Wright. Pastor Wright serves at St. John Lutheran Church in Keystone, Iowa. Pastor Wright, welcome back to Sharp Brian.
1: Thank you. Great to be back here on this uh, nice, hot, sunny June day.
0: As we get started this morning, Pastor Wright, let's talk a little context. We've got a, a very lengthy text before us today. What do we need to know about Jeremiah and his ministry, and particularly where we are in the book going into these verses for today?
1: Jeremiah kind of picks up um, where our verses are at today after he's addressed a, a few things about the shepherds of Israel. And we think about these shepherds of Israel kind of being some of the, the kings, the, the priests, the prophets, the the leaders, you know, we use that image of, of shepherd a lot. And um so we're we're coming into our text today in, in verse nine, kind of picks up on those first woes to that, but right before the con right before our verses pick up He has this great passage that we hear um, during the Advent season where um, we talk about, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. This is verse five. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So even within the context of these woes, of these guys who are, um, you know, just totally unfaithful to God's word, who are um, promoting wealth, promoting things contrary, um, idolatrous things, so many different stuff, yet right in the midst of this here, between one woe, moving on to the next, there's this promise of the Lord who will be the shepherd of his people and give them faithful shepherds, but but two, that the Lord is our righteousness. And it's always a, a thing to kind of for us to keep in mind as even as we go into our text with the false prophets, to see that in all that is unrighteous, we have the Lord who is our righteousness, that alien righteousness, and that's his very name and that he gives to us. And so I think that's a kind of a, an important thing for us to always keep on on the horizon, so to speak, as we even look at this text before us today
0: certainly the I mean we've seen in the book of Jeremiah how he's called out the leaders of Israel the leaders of Judah on many occasions and he's he's named them at several times he's done a lot of calling out the kings in the previous chapters and like you pointed out the first part of chapter 23 is a bit of a transition from the woe to here's the promise and Jeremiah really was building up to that promise that this righteous branch is coming from David and now he, he does shift gears a little bit but it's 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 certainly related as now he speaks more directly to the false prophets of the day. So let's jump into our text. We're in Jeremiah 23, beginning at verse nine. Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulterers because of the curse, the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil, and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Therefore their way shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness, into which they shall be driven and fall. For I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. In the prophets of Samaria I saw an unsavory thing, They prophesied by Baal and led my people Israel astray. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, I have seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets. Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. That's the first part of our text. That was through verse 15 of chapter 23 of the prophet Jeremiah. Pastor Wright, as this text gets started, it sounds like we've got Jeremiah talking at the beginning of the text before we hear the word of the Lord. But it, it's all about, it sounds like these false prophets. Can you take us into those first couple of verses of the text?
1: Sure yeah, so kind of there's the, there's so there's this address about the prophets. And at first, you kind of have to this is one of those texts, um like when we I know when I teach Bible studies, sometimes we'll read this out loud and always the first question is, well, who's talking here? And that's kind of always a tough thing to discern what this is. But I think that's part of the point as well, though. I mean, so we have Jeremiah talking, but we also have the Lord talking in here too. He, that gets thrown in when he especially when he talks about my house. But you know, the prophet, the, the false prophets, here's Jeremiah, who is a faithful prophet, you know, um, who is concerning, now this is being written about these false prophets. And one of the things about prophets, um, and I'm sure we, we probably talked about this on the show before, is that there are, if we will oftentimes think of prophets just in terms of um, foretelling, but there's also uh, this understanding of forth telling too that prophets preach the, the things of God that they proclaim these things even even now so sometimes we'll talk about the office of the ministry as the prophetic you know office or the prophetic word which speaks to us in our day too and so it, it's they're not at the exclusion of you know what is to come as well but so there's this preaching aspect that really is going to be a part of the address to the prophets here and uh this just this agony that you see in this, too, that, you know, Jeremiah is talking about my heart is broken within me. All my bones shake. You kind of get this image of even some of the, the penitential psalms of you know, flooding my bed with tears. Uh, David will talk about that, you know, when, when he's talking about repentance and things. But um, because of I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. And so he looks around and he sees the state around him full of adult adulterers because of the curse uh the land mourns and the pastures of the wilderness are dried up so we get this kind of this this visual image of just something that is not producing or something that is um you know uh, not fertile but but even just uh you know this image of being dried up you know there's there's this deathly look to it that he talks about and um it uh, brings to mind so many other things, too, like you think about uh, Ezekiel, you know, who will talk about, you know, he, he laments the fact of, is there anyone, you know, righteous left or, or any of those things like that. But this very much this nature, though, of, of this preaching aspect and telling forth God's word. And here what these guys are doing, though, is the opposite of that. They're, they're twisting God's word. And they are claiming God has spoken certain things or not said certain things when that is not the case at all. So there is this, this um, kind of that dynamic going on here in these opening verses.
0: As the as Jeremiah talks here in these opening verses, he he seems to be talking a little bit more in this part about the lives of these false prophets. Before he really, he will talk about their false teaching as the text continues. But in this first part, he seems to be talking more about their lives. For example, in Verse eleven, the Lord says the prophet and priest are both ungodly, and then particularly in verses thirteen and following, you get a, a picture of some of the the sins that these prophets are are committing in addition to the false teaching. What what is being what are they being accused of here in these opening verses?
1: I think you bring up a really good point, and that kind of um, is something that uh, when we oftentimes when I think of this verse, I think of the the passage in the new Testament in the gospels where Jesus talks about, beware we of wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm. And he talks about knowing them by their fruits. And so, you know, you mentioned about, he mentions their, their life, but that goes hand in hand with their teaching as well. You know, sometimes we, we want to se- kind of separate that those two things. And in a sense that we see, think that they're not connected and there might not always be the case, but those two things do go together that, you know, the fruits of a false prophet are both his teaching and his life. So he, he hits on that first here with their their life. You know, adultery was kind of rampant at this point because of some of the the idolatry and the practices and the ritual things that were going on um, during this time frame. And then um, and then also then the, the words that they're speaking are even ungodly. So it's both their office to preach, but they're abusing that, and they're even abusing the life that adorns that as well. So it's kind of a, that twofold thing with this.
0: Right. It's I mean, and I think I don't. you and I talked about Jude, and I think Jude does a, a similar thing, doesn't he, where he, he will bring up the lives and the sins of the false teachers, and Peter does this in his second epistle, and it sounds like Jeremiah, the same thing, that those two things— so often go hand in hand and sometimes we're, we're prone to separate them. And I think over and over again, the scriptures invite us to keep those two things together where you see false teaching, expect false living and where you see false living also expect false teaching to be behind it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, you, you bring up that point of Jude. Yeah. He brings that up. Yeah. And so does, you know, Peter. And even, even if we think about, I mean, we'll kind of get more to it in some of the later verses where it talks about, um, you know, being called by God and sent by God. And we have those parallels with the office of the ministry, but I mean, there's a reason too why, um, that uh, a pastor is called to be above reproach, mm-hmm. you know, that that goes hand in hand with his office to preach the word of God faithfully, that he be a man above reproach and not, you know, not a drunkard, not uh, you know that he be the husband of one wife and, and those things like that. And why it's, it's not just even scandalous for a person the man who occupies the office of the ministry when a a scandal happens but it's also even for that office and his preaching is scandalized as well that those two things go together so yeah it's and it's fascinating thing that we want to separate those to the point of we i think maybe it gets kind of get to this maybe our knee-jerk reaction to want to to think that somehow our works or our life can be affect things in some way but i mean how god sees it that these things are connected
0: yeah, very much so. And and to the point, I mean when you look at some of the comparisons that are made in this text are pretty striking. In verse 13, Jeremiah brings up the prophets of Samaria, so the northern kingdom, and how there the Lord saw it's translated an unsavory thing that they were prophesying by by Baal there. But now in Jerusalem, it's I've seen a horrible thing. So and we we've, we've seen this before in Jeremiah where the prophet will tell them that you guys are worse than what your, your big sister Israel had done, and remember what happened to them. And even he, he goes to the point here in verse 14 that the Lord tells the these prophets, you've become like Sodom and Gomorrah, which that's about as as far as you can fall in the Old Testament, I think.
1: Yeah, that's hitting rock bottom pretty hard there. I mean, and, and that's kind of what Jude, kind of going back to Jude, too. I mean, he lists, when he li- goes after the the false teachers in, in his epistle, that he lists kind of the, the unholy saints, <laughs> the unholy people, you know, litany of people in the Old Testament that he associates them And here. Then, you know, if you're like the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah, that does not bode well for you in the slightest.
0: That's right. And, and so, I mean, you get the promise of destruction yet again in verse 12. There's a promise of punishment. Also in verse 15, this promise of bitter food and poisoned water, because what's happened there from the prophets has actually spread out into all the land. Any, any final comments on those verses or this section before we move on in the text?
1: Um, sometimes you'll hear that, that poison water to drink kind of sometimes translated as, as wormwood. You know, you think about like even in Proverbs, uh, it makes me think of the screw tape letters too, uh, with the the diabolical nature of things. Every time I, I think of that with wormwood and, um, poison water to drink, but this, I mean, God does not mince words in this section about how he views what is going on and what will be the state of these false prophets if they continue in their ways.
0: Right. A very strong warning here, to say the least. And that warning continues. And now the Lord's going to turn to the people who would hear as the text continues. So we're picking up again in Jeremiah 23, now at verse 16. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. That was through verse 22 of Jeremiah chapter 23. Pastor Wright, the Lord now turns to his people and warns them about listening to these prophets. What is, what's the Lord doing here as he makes that turn and starts addressing his people?
1: He's first off giving them just some very practical t- advice. Don't listen to these guys, right? Don't listen to them. They fill you with with vain hopes. Um, there's always a tendency of us, even when we come across false teaching or false teachers, to to kind of want to almost like the the, whole, the old uh, cliche of it's it's like a bad accident. You can't you know help but look or look, and you don't want to look away. But um, there's a danger to these things mm-hmm. of listening to this, or even, like, just the the things that we consume, you know, whatever form of media it may be, they they will affect us if we're not careful. And uh, even if, even the best of us at times, you know, so that first word of warning to them, do not listen to them. They fill you then with vain hopes. And I think that's an important point there, too, that God, when he warns his people in in the scriptures, will also kind of give them a teaching and explanation of why there's warning. It's not just don't do this, but it's don't do this because this, or don't do this, but do this instead. Because you, when you listen to these false teachers, you're going to hear something and you may even think that you have hope, but that hope that they bring to you is meaningless. It's vanity. You know, vain is a, an old Testament word for, for meaningless emptiness, right? And um, they speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord, And then he goes into some specifics. Uh, In verse 17, they say continually, those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Um, uh, This always brings to mind Ezekiel 33, which as a pastor, it's very much of a convicting thing. But there's some comfort in it, too, of doing our, when we see when we've done our duty. You know, Ezekiel talks about, so you, son of man, this is God talking. Ezekiel, I've made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Now, this is, in Jeremiah's case here, what these guys are doing is the very thing that God told Ezekiel not to do, right? That they don't tell people to turn from the, their wicked ways and and live, but rather that everything's fine, everything's good. And how appropriate is this, too? This, this easily could have been written in uh, 2021, couldn't it, of this, of when we hear those, uh, what, Tim, uh, what Paul warns uh, Timothy, that... The time will come when people will find those who preach what itching ears want to hear. And uh, we like to be told, it's okay, guys. It's okay to remain in your sin. It's okay to do those things. That's enticing to us. But the Lord, Lord warns us, don't listen to that. Don't listen to those things. So very kind of specific examples with that of kind of this first instance of with these false preach, um, false prophets here.
0: Sure. I mean, this very well could have been written today. You're, you're exactly right. My my mind was also going to what Paul says to Timothy about the, the itching ear syndrome that's that's there. Mm-hmm. and And this matter, you know, these false prophets are saying to people who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. To those who follow after whatever they want, don't worry, no disaster. This almost seems too obvious, but it probably should be said that, I mean, a perfect example of that right now would be this month of June has apparently been named so-called Pride Month. I don't know if you've you've seen that on, on yep. social media. And I think that's a, a fantastic example of, of false prophets today refusing to speak the Lord's judgment upon those who have very clearly despised the word of the Lord, who are stubbornly following after their own sinful desires rather than coming to repentance and trusting in the Lord for forgiveness.
1: Absolutely. You know, you brought that up. I was thinking the, the very same thing as well when you were talking there. And, and lest we forget, I, I, there's a purpose in what God is doing here too, right? Even in God's word here of where he's, when you tell somebody that um, to turn from his ways, what's God's goal or purpose in that, that they live? You no, know, we'll get to the the hammer and the fire with the law here in a little bit. But when we think about the, the office of the law, it's always in, end result is that we would then have the comfort of the gospel who forgives us our sins in Christ. And, you know, so when God warns these people or when a prophet who is faithful tells someone to turn from his ways that it won't be well with you and if you continue in your sin is actually a thing that is good for that person. Right. Mm-hmm. Because then what is being told to them falsely gives vain hope. But when God's word is faithfully taught and repentance is preached, there is a hope that is found only in Christ and the forgiveness of God and his mercy who puts our sins away. So, you know, it, that's one thing that, you know, it, talking about our time today that that we think about um, will often get thrown at the church Well, you guys are unloving or whatever the case may be no god is actually telling jeremiah and the prophets to do the loving thing that god wants the people to live god doesn't want his people to despise his name he doesn't want them to think and have a vain hope he wants them to have real hope and hope that does not put us to shame
0: Right, the, the I mean, the real hope is found in the text that's immediately prior to this that you started us off with. That righteous branch from the line of David. The hope is there, and that's real hope. But this vain hope that's being offered by the the false prophets that that's nothing. It doesn't do anything. And and what you're saying is is actually there in the text at at verse twenty two, where the Lord says, "If they had stood in my counsel, if they had listened to me, then they would have proclaimed my words." And the people would have turned. I mean, and that's and that's what the the Lord wants. Or in the words of of Ezekiel, you know, you brought up Ezekiel earlier that the Lord doesn't desire the death of the sinner, but that the Lord would, or that the sinner would repent and live. And I mean, Jeremiah is doing that as well. That's the the purpose of of preaching the law. And and when that law never goes, when it's just you know peace, peace. To to quote the prophets from earlier that were in Jeremiah. And now you know, no, don't worry, no disaster then there's no real hope. And it is that real hope that the Lord desires to give.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so this is very much appropriate for us to hear these words today, both as pastors and hearers of the word of God alike. And, um, and there's a, you know, and this is where something like being a parent also I think really helps inform where we can see that really well because, you know, my uh, we our, our son turns a year old in August, and he's to that point now where he's wanting to to climb upstairs because he's crawling around everywhere. We have these wooden floors. So, you know, what do we do? We we put this thing in front of that so he won't hurt himself because we it's not well for him to to try to climb up those stairs until he's bigger and, and ready. We don't want to. The loving thing to do is for us to keep him from doing what he wants to do because he will hurt himself. Right. And, and uh, so we get that as parents, at least we should as parents. And when you look at things from the perspective of God and from that angle and what Jeremiah is trying to say and what he's trying to instill in these people too, which goes back to this whole warning of them. It's like, come on guys, really listen to this. God has your best interest in mind. If these prophets would have actually listened to me, you guys would be in better shape. And if you would have listened to faithful, um, prophets not like jeremiah and want to kill him because he calls you to repentance um yeah it's just kind of a it's a very convicting convicting for all of
0: us but Certainly. The the matter of this vain hope that is brought up at the beginning of the text, I think it really is, is fleshed out as the, the text continues, that what makes the hope a vain one is that it doesn't come from the Lord. And, and what distinguishes also between the, the true prophet and the false prophet is which one comes from the Lord which one has heard the word of the Lord or, or in the words of both verse 18 and verse 22, which one has stood in the counsel of the Lord? We took just a couple minutes here before our break, Pastor Wright, let's start talking about that, that matter of the source of the the word and the, the sending of the Lord. Both of those things are intertwined here as we talk about true and false prophets.
1: Yeah, very much so. And, um, you know, we, when we think about, uh, when, like the authority of the pastoral office is something that it's the authority of the word of God, God calls and sends out his messengers with his message. Those two things go together. And when the, the prophets rightly stand in God's counsel, that is they listen to his word, they, they find, um, their instruction from him. And then they, they speak with what God has given them to say. Um, they uh, their office is coming from God because he has sent them with that responsibility. And um, you know, in a, in a few minutes, when we come back, we'll, we'll hear about, you know, what they, they sent or they went and I did not send them. But we think about Romans 10 too, that there's, there's a reason and a certainty with this too, as well. When, when the pastor or a prophet in this case with Jeremiah comes to you and says, thus says the Lord and not, well, I think, or well, those kind of things there's you trust that this is and you square it with what God's word says, and he'll teach them that towards the end of our text today about what it means to judge these ones and to um, hold it accountable according to God's word, that you you trust the trustworthiness and the faithfulness of that because you're listening to God himself because as Jesus says, Luke, the one who hears you hears me, those two go hand in hand and in a right sense of the of the way.
0: Yeah, it's a a very important thing to know that the prophet is speaking the word of God, that the preacher that's sent to you today is speaking the word of God. And we'll talk more about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking Jeremiah 23 with Pastor Andy Wright. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, June 24th. We're studying Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 9 to 40 with Pastor Andy Wright. He serves at St. John Lutheran Church in Keystone, Iowa. Pastor Wright, prior to the break, we were looking at this second section of the text where the Lord tells his people, don't listen to these false prophets because they're speaking their own word, not my word, and we were talking before the break about the importance of that. In verse 21, related to what word is being spoken, is also who sent the prophet. So in verse 21, the Lord says, I didn't send these prophets, even though they ran ahead, and I didn't speak to them, even though they kept speaking. Why is this matter of the Lord's sending so important? It's a,
1: That's an, a really good question. And, you know, because I, this is where, uh, when we think about things like this, that why do we um, make a big deal about like, for instance, call an ordination? Like we have Article 14 of the Augsburg Confession that no, one should, no man should uh, properly or publicly teach, preach or administer the sacraments without being rightly or regularly called. There's different ways you can translate that depending on the German or the Latin. And um, it's, a lot of this is for the benefit of God's people. Well, first off, you know, when we talk about the office of ministry, it's divinely instituted by God. Well, here these prophets are given by God himself and God is the, the the confidence to have that God has sent this person with His word, with His message. You know, is a is a thing of of comfort for the people, but also there is a a recognition that God is working in their midst with this too, as well. And um, you know, I I'm a a doctrinal theology guy, and so I always kind of think in, in those categories and terms. But when we think about like Luther would talk about during his day, there was these clandestine preachers who would go around trying to put themselves forward and they would come into cities and they would say things like, you know, God has called me to be this pastor in your midst. And they'd say, okay, well, who called you? Well, God did. How did he call you? Well, you know, he that's da, that's da, And da, 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 but there was like, just up to them, you know, that these kind of things like that. Well, how did they know that God sent them? Well, God is orderly and God is the one who works through means to to send his preachers to them so the prophets had a. so there's a reason why like jeremiah starts with his call or isaiah talks about the call of isaiah we see these things that god listen he's he's called this person out by name and he's sending them with his word and with his purpose so that there's a trustworthiness guys trust what jeremiah is saying because he speaks for god god has sent him to do this task now that doesn't mean jeremiah is perfect or, or isaiah or your pastor is perfect they're going to send their they're sinners too, but that office has been given for that, that you can trust that God is working in your midst. And he has sent this person to you to to listen to and to hear this preaching of law and gospel um, so that you would repent and that you would find hope in Christ who has been, has been sent for you. But so this, this sending, you know, God sending Romans 10. Also, we think about that, you know, um, where, St. Paul will talk about how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord has believed what he has, what he has heard from us, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So we have this connection with God's working, the confidence to know that God is at work, and also that God has sent this person to speak this word uh, to them and but yet when somebody puts themselves forward you have to ask yourself whose authority are you are you speaking by and how do we know what you're saying is is uh, something that we should listen to and heed what you what you say
0: yeah, there's certainly a measure of uh, comfort that's given to the hearers when they know that their preacher has been sent by God. And I think there's also a measure of comfort that's given to the preacher himself to know that he's been sent by God. And this maybe isn't perhaps quite as a strong of an emphasis in this particular text, though I do think it's important for Jeremiah at varying points in his ministry where he, you know, he's, he is lamenting the fact that, that he's receiving all this persecution for preaching the word of God, to know that he is the one sent by God, the one who is proclaiming the word of God, Surely brings him comfort in those moments. And and even as you, you know, as you said, you know, Jeremiah's not perfect, your pastor's not perfect. To know then that that I've been sent by God as a pastor is a great comfort in that, because then it doesn't depend on me. If if it did depend on me, then it, it I would mess it up very quickly. But the fact that it's God who's who's placed me in this office and that it was God who put Jeremiah in this office and God who puts pastors in their offices gives the the pastor's confidence to do what they've been given to do because they know it's not about them. It's about, as you said earlier, it's the word of God that's given the, that authority.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, I very much so. And I'm glad you brought that up too, just from the end of a pastor, that the comfort that we have, you know, I don't know about you, but, um, every time, like I, I, I typically wear a clerical shirt every day. And one of the reasons why I wear it too, is that when I put that on and I look at myself in the mirror And I see that it reminds me, listen, God has sent you to proclaim his word, not your own word, his word, and to be faithful to that. But there's a comfort in that, too, that knowing that God also attaches promises to when he sends us to do those things, that he will accompany us, he will work through us as his um, servants. But, uh, you know, just kind of it's not about you, Andy, Wright. It's about God and his word. And uh, that's a very comforting thing. But, you know, and so this is even in this day. back in jeremiah's day and in our day and age we kind of see this even come up in different ways too and now in the the days of you know different media or uh where we have like so many kind of internet personalities and stuff too it's easy for us to kind of want to start going off and kind of following certain personalities that we find attractive you know attractive in terms of well i like his teaching or i like his preaching but my pastor is maybe more dull than this guy or or those kind of things well it's not to say that you can't listen to other faithful pastors, first off, caveat it that way, but know who God has sent to you to be your pastor, your shepherd, the one. I mean, right now, people are listening to two pastors talk. Uh, unless they're members of ours, we're not their pastors. That doesn't mean they can't listen to us and learn from us. But what would, if they somebody were to come to us, and I, I know you've said before you get questions asked of you, Where do we point them back to? Who's their first thing? Their pastor, because he's the one that God has sent them to be in charge of their spiritual care and to care for their souls.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent point and and very well said. We could probably spend the rest of the time talking about that because that is a really, that's an important thing to know who your pastor is and, and to know that God's placed him there for the sake of of caring for your soul, speaking that word of God, so that, and and maybe to tie it back into Jeremiah, why? So that they would turn from their evil way and then live. That's, That's the rest of that, even though Jeremiah doesn't name it particularly right there, to give that true hope. That's what your pastor is there to do. So the Lord has more to say in this chapter concerning false prophets and warning against them, pointing out the truth. We're picking up the text again in verse 23 now here in Jeremiah 23. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies, and who prophesied the deceit of their own heart? Who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams, that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat? declares the Lord. Is not my word like a fire? declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. Behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use their tongues and declare, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness, when I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord." That was through verse thirty-two of the chapter. Pastor Wright, what's the what's the move that Jeremiah makes here? How does his preaching concerning false prophets continue?
1: He kind of makes this move to of God speaking and showing them there's no escape. Hmm. Right? I mean, which when when you start thinking about this, you know, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, not a God far away. So in a sense of saying, Okay, listen guys, you're going to be false prophets, you're going to be leading the people of God astray, you're giving them vain hopes, and you think I'm not with you, Hmm. that I don't see these things, that I don't hear these things, that I'm not the God who fills all things. I mean, that is very vivid preaching of the law right there, that God um, reveals that who is the one who is God and who is the one who is not God. Um, you know, we even think of the, psal- the psalm, you know, if I descend to Sheol, you are there. You can't escape where God is. I had a professor in seminary who would, would often say the presence of God is not yet the gospel. And his oh. point being, you know, that we'll talk about that God is present with us. He's omnipresent. He's present in, uh, you know, this room that I'm sitting in right now. Um, and he's present in his body and his, uh, you know, in his humanity and his divinity in both natures. He doesn't separate those two after the incarnation and he's with you in Texas, right? I'm in Iowa and it's Texas, but, but, uh, but we know that there's comfort in the presence of God, knowing when he is for us and the work of Christ. So when you talk about then the presence of Jesus, for instance, in the Lord's supper, that's always a kind of a go-to where we see this really well, that there's um, when you have the charge of Paul about eating and drinking the body of the Lord, that you can actually sin against that. So just Jesus being present in the Lord's supper can actually be to your harm, you know, if you're drinking it in an un- eating and drinking an unworthy manner. But in faith, in repentance, it's the presence of Jesus there for you, is there for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. So here for these false prophets who are trying to do these things all in the name of God when they say, declares the Lord, which is Luther will talk about in the large catechism, that's the greatest sin against the second commandment, mm-hmm. attributing God something that he has not said, you know, saying, well, God says this or this is okay, you know, or it is well, like we heard earlier, when God says, no, 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 that's not what I say, don't, don't put words into my mouth, Um, but God is, God is near, he hears these things, he knows these things, and he knows what is, uh, what is at stake, which goes to his point about even his word here, Um, well, in verse 28, he says, what is straw in common with wheat, you know, what are these things that are to be thrown away or just gathered up in that which gives nourishment and substance and, and sustenance. And then 29 is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. The small code articles will reference this quote, uh, this passage um, in um, the small code articles where it's uh, part three, article three, um, where it's talking about repentance, what repentance is and re- what repentance isn't. And Luther actually quotes this. Um, and he talks about, this is God's thunderbolt. By the law, he strikes down both obvious sinners and false saints. He declares no one to be in the right, but drives them all together to terror and despair. This is the hammer, as Jeremiah says, is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So um, we see that God, in the midst of this, he, he was, is still working, that he, he breaks the, the, the stubborn heart. He breaks it into pieces um, to, for his goal of working out of working repentance in the hearts of people.
0: You you mentioned these verses earlier, when we were talking about the preaching of the law and, and trying to tie those, those threads together. What, what do these verses come by? we've been talking about, what does that have to say about the way God uses the preaching of the law?
1: Yeah. I think it has a lot to say about, yeah, his, the office of the law. We'll talk about the law and its functions, you know, or and talk about the law and its essence and its office, different things regarding the law. When we talk about the law, like the, the primary function of the law is is that accusation of that the law shows us that we have sinned against God and brings about, you know, that in, that reveals those things. So here then, this breaking into pieces, this killing, or killing and making alive, you know, killing by the law, making alive by the gospel, That this connection with this, that when those people were offering a vain hope to sin... In a sense, we could say they were being kind of, as Luther would call it, a theologian of glory, right? Not calling a thing for what it is. But here, then, the contrast with that, what God's law actually does, is it breaks a heart, it breaks those things so that He would create in us a clean heart, and give us a renewed and and create anew um, that He would wash us clean and give us those things as opposed to this this vain. This vain thing, you know, with that. So the, the law and all of this then serves going back to then that initial purpose of why is he warning? It's not about that Jeremiah can just say, I'm right and you're wrong. No, it's because he there's a care of God in this, of wanting people to turn from their sin and look to him and live. Hmm.
0: And, and the Lord is very clear in the text that he's against this. He says it in verse 31, I'm against these prophets. He says it in verse 32, I'm against these prophets. <laughs> isn't I mean, that
1: terrifying? Yes. I mean, isn't that just, my goodness, that just, that is one of the most terrifying things hear that in the scripture. Sorry, I cut you off. Go
0: ahead. No, it's it's okay. I mean, but it it is, I mean, it's, it's that repetition, you know, to use the language hammers at home that he he repeats it over and over again. I'm against these prophets. And, and he mentions a, a particular few particular things, you know, they're stealing my words from one another. So it sounds like they're just, just sort of quoting each other, it may in a circular fashion without ever bothering to see if this is what God really says in verse 31, they're using their tongues and saying declares the Lord. That was what you brought up earlier with Luther. And then ultimately they're leading people astray and not profiting anybody at all, which, you know, you think about the work of a, of a hammer and the work of fire, particularly in the destructive ways that it's brought up here what's the profit, what these, these false prophets, they sound, oh, let's see, what's the profit, what's the use? Sorry, that it sounds like the same in English. What's right, the sure. use of, of what these, you know, when, when the Lord's going to break you in pieces, well, that really is the true good thing that is being done where these false prophets, they're not benefiting the people at all.
1: Yeah. That, that point too, like of, of how they just, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's kind of, I don't know if you, this wouldn't necessarily be ironic, but it's uh, just kind of the, the whole situation to it just hit me when you were talking about this, too, that as opposed to just listening to God and declaring what he actually says, that they would quote one another and, and you know, have these canned sermons or canned prophecies, whatever, <laughs> that are spoiled cans. Right? I mean, you, you almost kind of think about it. At what point is it actually more effort to be unfaithful than it has to actually be faithful. Hmm. You know, maybe I don't know if that makes sense, but, you know, sometimes, like, just speak back what God says, you know? Yeah. But but sin has a way of just perverting all of this, that it just takes things and twists it to the point that it's unrecognizable, and you just kind of, and it spirals out of control to the point of, like, when you just step back and look at it, you know, from us sitting here now looking at this text, you just kind of scratch your head and go, "Wow, really? That's right. that's, you know."
0: But- yeah, well, I think I mean to, your, to what you're saying about it, it's sometimes it is it's easier just to be faithful rather than to to be unfaithful. That maybe you've yeah. had this when you you've taught adult, particularly adult confirmation, though it's it's true in youth confirmation as well. I think. You'll be teaching, say, that that the Lord's Supper is, in fact, the true body and blood of Jesus and explaining the scriptural reasons why, and then laying out some of the false positions that are out there, and you'll get the hand raised like, well, pastor, don't they have the same Bible we do? Why don't, why don't they just believe it's the body and blood of Jesus? And you're kind of left, you know, scratching your head and say, well, I don't really know. It, it, it is easier just to believe what God has said and to speak it back to him rather than to, you know, think up your own explanations for things.
1: Yeah, doing, doing mental gymnastics and trying to make something say what you want it to say is sometimes a lot harder than just actually letting God say what he says. Mm,
0: right, right. So, and that is what the Lord wants, is for you to simply say what he says. And so we, we pick up the rest of the chapter now, beginning at verse 33. When one of this people, or a prophet of, or a priest, asks you, what is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, You are the burden, and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. And as for the prophet, priest, or one of the people who says, the burden of the Lord, I will punish that man and his household. Thus shall you say, every one to his neighbor and every one to his brother, what has the Lord answered, or what has the Lord spoken? But the burden of the Lord you shall mention no more, for the burden is every man's own word, and you pervert the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you shall say to the prophet, what has the Lord answered you? Or what has the Lord spoken? But if you say the burden of the Lord, thus says the Lord, because you have said these words, the burden of the Lord, when I sent to you saying, you shall not say the burden of the Lord, therefore, behold, I will surely lift you up and cast you away from my presence. You and the city that I gave to you and your father's. And I will bring upon you everlasting reproach and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. And that's the rest of our text for today. That was Jeremiah 23, 33 through 40. Pastor Wright, this section very clearly is tied together around this saying, the burden of the Lord, which is maybe a, a bit difficult to to grasp what's going on here. What What's that phrase mean? How is Jeremiah making use of it here?
1: Um, he's kind of, you know, kind of going back to, um, I think back to whose word are you speaking to some extent and, uh, this burden also too of, um, uh, what it means to, like, um, to be faithful in a sense. But, um, I was just, something was, was coming to mind as you were, were leading, reading that there that, um, you know, so notice though, I, I think that he kind of even defines it that, themselves here too. When the the practical nature of this, once one of these people, or prophet, or priest, asks you, "What is the burden of the Lord?" you shall say, "You are the burden." You know, so this uh, kind of almost like, so what is the Lord saying? What what's the issue at hand here? You guys are, right? Yeah. You're the burden. <laughs> You're the one who's doing this. So maybe that's a better way of, of trying to define what the burden of the Lord here is too. It's like you know, sometimes like when when we look at God's law too, um, the the law. We were talking about the accusatory function or you know of the law and and here we see that as well but there's also an element for those who are faithful people that the law here instructs them of how they are to handle this in a godly way but it's an accusation then to those who are unfaithful um but so then this burden then you know the law this call to repentance is not the burden on them and the burden to be faithful and to actually listen what God says, the burden upon the people is this false prophecy in their midst, these false prophets. They're the ones who are trying to tear them away. And when we think of a burden, I think it's, it's helpful for us to think about kind of that understanding of weighing down. They're the ones weighing them down. They're the ones holding them back. They're the ones enslaving them when they first off listen to them, but then when they let them have their say and there's a public nature to this, too, as well. You know, he, he told them at the beginning of our text today to not listen to them. That's the first thing. But there, there comes a point then, too, whereas hearers of the word of God, um, according to their, their office and responsibility, sometimes you have to call out these false prophets. You have to do it. And um, Luther will talk about this in the large catechism and the eighth commandment, that they, they're doing these things in the public sphere. And those who have responsibility hold them accountable to it because they're they're publicly you know leavening the whole lump of uh, of, of God's people um, and that's that burden that we, we see before them, uh, perverting the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God in verse thirty-six. Hmm.
0: In verse 37, it sounds like there's a, a bit of a, a test, you know, instead of talking about this burden of the Lord, rather, what's the Lord said or what's the Lord answered? It, it takes it to what is the Lord actually done rather than this thought of this burden that's there.
1: Yeah, that's a good point too, that that there's that practical uh, kind of instruction with that too. And and you think about like the Bereans in Acts, when Paul would preach to them, what would they do? They'd search the scriptures. They, you know, um, and this is where, as hearers of God's word today, this is there. Hold your pastors accountable. You know, hold them accountable to what God says. You know, um, my uh, the I will be have been ordained nine years this this July, and um, you know, at our ordination and at our installation too, we make these same vows. Like, why do we uphold? Why do we subscribe to? Uh, you know, the Lutheran confessions. Why do we we hold to these things like that? Because, you know, um, ask. Ask your pastor, you know, where does God say this? When when the pastor preaches to you, when he teaches to you, he should be saying, thus says the Lord. You not have to say that exact phrase, but the point being, right, <laughs> he should be saying, saying to you uh, what God has revealed to you, in his, what God has revealed in the word, and not being the one who says, well, I think, I say, those kind of things like that. So this this test kind of makes us think of First John also, what testing the spirits, and what that means to to square it with God's teaching in his Holy word. Mm.
0: The text concludes in verses 39 and 40 with this matter of judgment. What is the Lord going to do to these false prophets?
1: Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to bring up upon you everlasting reproach and perpetual shame, which shall not be forgotten. Mm. Boy, that's, that's also terrifying. You know, we think about what God. What what does God forget? Well, he, God forgets. He puts our sin away as far as east is from the west, and He remembers them no more. So, in Christ, we see that God does uh, forget our sin in terms of that Christ has borne that burden and He's taken that on Himself. But these who want to contend these false prophets who want to uh, continue in this, um, they will be known by, and have great shame in what they have done and what they have perverted and harmed God's people.
0: Pastor Wright, with just about two minutes on the morning, we've covered a wide variety of topics, a lengthy chunk of text this morning. What is the instruction, the comfort that is here in this text from Jeremiah 23 that points us to our Savior Christ Jesus?
1: I think there's kind of a number of things in this big section. And uh, when we look at, you know, the Old Testament for us today, we kind of see kind of a, a... that how, how do we fit into this kind of this, this picture of things. But I think one of the things that we understand that, that not all prophets are, and not all preachers are faithful, that kind of comes across clear. So we listen to God, whom God has sent to us. We ourselves are hearers of the word of God and to be um, diligent in our study of scriptures and knowing at the end of the day that all of this should point us back to the one who is the the one who is our righteousness whose name means the lord is our righteousness back to christ and um and that gives us comfort to know that god is indeed working in our midst that he does indeed give us preachers that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of christ and the lord is the the good shepherd who sends forth under shepherds even as he cares for us in this life and into Life eternal, where we will be in his presence and he will shepherd us.
0: Pastor Andy Wright is the pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Keystone, Iowa, helping us today with Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 9 to 40. Pastor Wright, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithfield, Texas. If you have any questions about Jeremiah, comments on this series, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the new app. Use the open mic feature to record up to a 60-second message to send to us. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.